You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast is the latest hit on the We Are Libertarians network. Each week, Jeremiah Morrill and Dakota Davis explore life in Henry County, Indiana. It's a show about our circle of friends, public officials, and our experiences. 80% observation, life, humor, and 20% politics. Boss Hog of Liberty is the day-to-day happenings of Henry County, Indiana, which is just like your community. Add us on iTunes and sample us today. Dear Leader would want you to. Oh, f- the Johnny Rocket Launchpad is Liberty. Each week, we strive to bring you the best guests in talk radio. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad delivers weekly interviews of noteworthy politicians, experts, and activists. The Johnny Rocket Launchpad is bringing the party to the Libertarian Party and launching ideas in your direction. Check us out at johnnyrocketlaunchpad.com. You can hear me, Kurt Nelson, and the beautiful Heather Nixon talk about the ideas of liberty. Rock and roll. Hey guys, this is Roger Paxton, and if you're fed up with the government running every single aspect of your life, but you're not listening to the Lava Flow podcast yet, then what's wrong with you? Check us out at thelavaflow.com, or just go back to sucking up for the government. The Lava Flow podcast, striking the root every single episode. It's time to shake up your podcast feed, folks, by subscribing to Lions of Liberty, the only libertarian variety show out there. Spend Mondays with me, Mark Clare, as I feature in-depth interviews with great names in the libertarian community and fun roundtable discussions. Electric Liberty Land with me, Brian McWilliams, every Wednesday, your weekly dose of comedy, culture, and liberty. And Felony Fridays with me, John Odermatt, where I expose injustice in the broken criminal justice system. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at lionsofliberty.com. Welcome to We Are Libertarians. I'm your host, Chris Spangle. We bring you all of the irreverence modern politics deserves while putting people before political parties. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective with the goal of leaving you better informed. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes, like us on Facebook, and subscribe on Patreon at wearelibertarians.com. In exchange for supporting our program, we give you all kinds of bonus content and free stuff, including the audio of Harry's Wednesday night show. That's that's two hours of content a week that you can hear in that private RSS feed. You also get higher quality. You get bonus episodes. You get all kinds of great stuff if you become a Patreon member at wearelibertarians.com. This show is crowdsourced, so you can send us news with the hashtag WALnews or in our Facebook group and Discord channel. We are always taking your questions and comments via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com. Please be warned that this show is raw, unedited, and authentic, so the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Today we're going to talk about the women's marches. We're going to talk about uh, the government shutdown. We're going to talk about uh, the 50,000 emails that have been, or text messages that have been deleted that we've lost on at the end of the last episode. <laughs> that we glossed over on that last episode. Uh, but first, my co-host, Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Doing good, how are you? I'm crabby as F. I can see that I, just a little. I, 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 uh, I have, I've probably only gotten four hours of sleep the last two nights. Uh, I tried to take a nap today and yesterday. Mm-hmm. Didn't fall asleep. I'm the type of person that needs about 13 hours of sleep a night. Oh wow! So I'm pretty cranky. Um, I'm trying not to yell at Harry. Harry's giving me, as he always does, 
helpful tech advice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But tonight, I'm not having any of it. I'm like, oh, I just want to get my head down and get this done. It's okay. I understand. And sometimes I don't give the, the the best advice how people want it, but it's always comforting when I watch someone do, you know, basically take my advice but adapt it to their own way. It's it's lets me know that, like, Dear Leader does listen and he does care. I do. Uh, I don't always take all of your advice because sometimes it's complicated, and I don't need that in my life. I don't like complication. You're just like, I can set you up like first four virtual machines on your – I'm like, I don't need that. I don't want that. I'll clear my cookies if I want to clear my cookies. Uh, just w- w- okay. First off, I'm one. I'm proud that he did clear his cookies, and I'm happy that he did it. I just and and I also respect the reasoning for him uh, to reset his cookies. For I just think it's a better process for him to have the virtual machines open when he's doing stuff like that, so he is able to experience what he's developing for in different environments. Right. So this way you can have your virtual machine of a Windows, so you can know what your thing looks like in Windows 8, what it looks like in Windows 10, what it looks like in you know other versions of the Mac OS or Linux or Android even. So so I apologize if I snap at Harry or any of the listeners tonight. Uh, it is not you, it's me. Warning in advance, trigger warning. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's a lot going on. And uh, first I want to say thank you to Harry for having a great... Uh, Liberty and Chill, the very first Liberty and Chill. We are going to be rolling this out to other locations. If you're somebody that wants to uh, get involved in uh, Liberty and Chill, then you can send an email to price at wearelibertarians.com or mm-hmm. editor at wearelibertarians.com. Uh, and essentially what it is is on one night, we're choosing Friday night, at from 5, 6 on till 9, 10 o'clock, mm-hmm. just Invite your friends to come hang out, drink, and it's it's, it's a fun social event, yes. basically. And what we're going to do is give you the branding materials, and we have a Facebook group that you can join called Liberty and Chill. Yeah, Liberty and Chill. Right. Presented by uh, We Are Libertarians. Right. And that's the Facebook group where you can connect with us there if you don't like email. Uh, so the uh, the idea is basically that we want people who are like-minded to get together and hang out with other like-minded libertarians uh, because a lot of times if you go to your local libertarian party meeting, for instance, it's a, it's boomers. We're trying to eliminate boomers from our lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. <laughs> so uh, this is something that we did here in Indianapolis for about six months to a year. Brett Bittner did it, and mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun. Everybody knew Friday, 5 o'clock at this bar – Somebody was going to be there. Yeah, a lesser brewery. So, yes, somebody was always there. It was, yes. you know, I went probably 50% of the time. I I won't make this Friday night, but I'll make the next one probably. Mm-hmm. Like, somebody will always be there. Yes. And uh, it's, it's a great way for you to just get to know other listeners in your area. We've got some people in Atlanta interested. We've got some people in uh, Fort Wayne, our friend Christy Avery, Newcastle, Indiana, uh, so yeah, we've got, and we always got sent a message from someone in the uh, PNF that also wants it. What is that? Pacific Northwest. Okay. The uh, apparently the giant mushroom wants us to host Wall out there too. Yeah. So delivering to out there. So yeah, we're we, and then we'll put it all on Instagram because that's a fun visual way to show off uh, your group. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it'll be Liberty and Chill FW for Fort Wayne. Liberty yeah. and Chill ATL. Mm-hmm. So, because when people people can follow that and kind of watch the faces of the people, because when you're when you don't 
know anybody, you're not going to show up to a group. But if you can kind of lurk for a couple of months on a, on an Instagram and everybody looks okay, then you'll show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, And it's great to have like a liber- liberty event or a libertarian event that someone can go to that's not, all right, now we're going to do discuss this this one policy. Right. Full Robert's Rule of Order. So, you know. Right. No, it's literally only a social event. We we barely ever even talked politics the other night. Correct, yeah. It's just it's just fun to kind of bond with other libertarians that are, are in your area. So uh, we'll have more information about that rolling out, but for now, the best way is join the Liberty and Chill presented by We Are Libertarians Facebook group uh, and let Harry and uh, Paul Copeland, mm-hmm. your, your partner in crime, well, yep. your deputy to the deputy <laughs> leader, uh, and uh, they'll get you set up. So... Fun times, lots of lots of interesting things going on in We Are Libertarians land. Uh, the like, I'm loving this like chat on on YouTube tonight. This is awesome. Yeah, we are streaming to YouTube. We have a YouTube page, and let me just say, we need we need some help. Uh, two things: we need you to go and subscribe to our Twitch channel. It is we the letter R Libertarians. We are Libertarians because James Neese wrote we. A-R-E, Libertarians, and then forgot the password and the email that he used, mm-hmm. which is why I hate when people do anything in, in our branding that I don't have control over. So That's why the moment I created, I gave him everything. Right. So, uh, and so, yes, we need, we need how many more? 14. We need 14 more subscribers to hit some magical button. Uh, we need 14 more followers, just followers, not subscribers, followers. Okay. We need 14 more followers on the Twitch channel, and then we're able to make uh, become affiliate on Twitch. Mm-hmm. That allows us to take one, um, the ad revenue off there, so like for, through Cheers or even get and get subscribers. Subscribers right. are different on Twitch. T- Twitch sees subscribers as people who subscribe and pay money to a channel. Right. And with the way that, and since uh, Twitch is owned by Amazon, you can use your uh, Amazon Prime subscription. Like if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can link that to your Twitch account. And then the channel that you subscribe to can get $5 free from just from using your Amazon Prime account. Right. So we need you to do that. And yep. then uh, we are demonetized on YouTube. Uh, so it, we need 1,000 subscribers. We're at like 550. We've added about 50 in the last couple of weeks, as I've been asking. Please go and subscribe to our YouTube page. We'd greatly appreciate it. It's just search We Are Libertarians and you'll find us. We post the videos of every single show so you can uh, go and watch us on the big screen. Like I watch a lot of podcasts on YouTube at work and we are the we are just like that. We post all the video and the audio up on YouTube so you can watch us there. And uh, please be sure to get the email newsletter. That is enough class announcements for today. Let's get into uh, the subject matter at hand, which is me going to a women's march. <laughs> now, Harry, when I told you I was going to the women's rally on Saturday, what did you think? Uh, one, you know, I, I um, figured you would go there to, you know, and be careful because with your new beard and manliness, I don't think you'd be welcome there. Uh, so I feared for you. Right. Your safety, really. And I wore flannel. Oh, yeah. Feared for your safety. You know, because if you went there with your flannel and you shaved, you know, I don't have to worry about you. Yeah, because they'd get me confused with the participants. Yes, yes, exactly. But uh, <laughs> and the yeah, you know, and the other thing is the my other reaction was why, <laughs> right? Well, my friend Michelle invited me, and uh, the the reason any man does anything is because a woman was behind it, and uh, she's, j- she's just my friend. But we, she asked me if she if I wanted to attend because she knows that uh, while I am. 
Not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I'm a feminist. Here's how I would describe myself is in terms of a feminist. Like, everyone should have the same opportunity starting out. Women should not be discriminated against based on their gender. Uh, we, you know, I don't believe that if a man and a woman are doing two exact similar jobs that they should be, one should be paid less than the other if skills are equal, you know. Uh, so I, I feel like I'm a feminist in that I, I believe women should have the right to vote and should have uh, all abilities and freedoms that that men do. Uh, I'm not a third wave feminist. I'm not uh, someone who thinks that uh, how do I put it? Men should be they I get the the sense that I get a lot of times is they want men to be subjugated to women. like they want to flip-flop the and they want it to be a matriarchy mm-hmm. instead of a patriarchy. Uh, not all women. I'm talking about just a certain fringe element of the political discourse. and I'm not down with that because if you want equality, I'm going to fight for that equality. I'm there right there with you. But if you're saying stupid things and you're advocating for policies that I don't agree with, then I'm going to disagree with you. Uh, so uh, would you call yourself a feminist, Harry? No. No, I'm not a feminist. Okay. I can I can believe everything they want, but I I think the label to me is way too tainted. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's especially here in the modern – actually, I uh, – I don't want to go too much in the weeds to it. I think the label has always been tainted for the longest time, but that's going into a lot of different history that I, I will hijack this entire two hours <laughs> going into. Right. Uh, which we can walk into that puddle one day, but not right now. Uh, but I think that everyone should have equality. I think the most of the rights that most people have or most of the rights that women also fight for, I think they... Um, I like that. I, I like the idea. I can get behind that idea. I have no problem having sitting and talking with fem- people who are feminists mm-hmm. or even supporting the same cause because a lot of the ideas they have are good ideas, you know. And but some ideas that they have are also bad. They also have downfalls and stuff like that. Right. You know. There's not like I don't really see like a good or bad to it, but I reject that label because also a lot of the the things that come along with that. Right. And a lot of the um. I see, because like to me, a lot of modern day, uh, like 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 feminism for me, it really does look more like socialism in panties to me. It's they <laughs> use a lot of government force to bring on a lot of Marxist socialist crap into my life, and I'm just like, and I reject that. Right. But I can understand when people want, wants to take that pure label, like I just looking for equality through people through the sexes, and I get right. that, and I can understand people's uh, uh, feeling from that, and I get that, I get it. You know, me personally, um, I'm an egalitarian. If you want to give me a label for in that type of sphere, but at the same time, it's like you know, I I just want I want every I want all things to be equal and at all things at all in at all times. And I you know I respect female agencies just the way same way I respect male agency. Right. Yeah, I I think that if you're an individualist and if you aren't an individualist, then you're not a libertarian. And if you're mm-hmm. not a libertarian, uh. Uh, you're probably a libertarian if you're listening to the show. You're certainly welcome to listen and uh, oh, get yeah. a, get a feel. <laughs> but but yeah, I think individualists believe that everyone starts out with an equal right, equal opportunities, equal application of laws, and it's it's pretty hard to be an anti-feminist and a libertarian at the same time. That being said, I think you can disagree with a lot of what is defined as feminism 
the, like when you say feminism, I think you're right. The coin, the term, it, it's kind of like neocon. It started out one way and now it means something else. Liberal started out meaning libertarian and now it means progressive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's one of those words that probably in the beginning we'd all agree with, but now we're going. I'm not one of these pink-haired people. Right. You know, uh, especially like with the turfs and the swerfs and the um, all that other garbage that they uh, that's also with the everything that they have. Right. You know, so, yeah, you know, yeah. Just like in a chat, Rhino said equality of opportunity, not an equality of result, though. Right. You know? So uh, I went to the rally with my friend and I wasn't sure what I was going to find. I had an idea. I mean, and this is something that I like to do. I like to challenge myself to go to places or to read things or to watch things or listen to things that I don't that I know I'm not going to agree with because I want to understand the arguments I want to understand the conversation around them and that's why I went because it's not an endorsement of what was said on the stage because I couldn't find much that I agreed with from the bullhorn uh <laughs> <laughs> so I like to go to things just to kind of get a sense of things, of where we're at as a culture, where we're at as political movements. And I found it to be predictable and surprising in some ways. So the predictable parts. It, it was at the Indiana State House. I would say there was three to 4,000, 5,000 women, uh, but a lot of men too. Uh, you know, the men ranged from your typical liberal like why I don't know why liberal men have such small faces. Like they have like they wear a small hat size. Like I don't know why liberal men just seem to have smaller heads. But a lot of those guys, a lot of scarf wearers, uh, a lot of uh, designer jeans, and then t-shirts bemoaning poverty. A lot of those guys, all the way to one biker that I was standing next to, and when somebody brought up Mike Pence, the guy goes, "He can't even ride a motorcycle." And I died laughing because it was like such a sincere slam on Mike Pence from this guy's point of view. And I started laughing and he looked at me and he realized what he said and he started laughing too. And he goes, he can't, he can't even, he fell off after 20 minutes. <laughs> Not like Mitch Daniels, at least Mitch Daniels could ride a motorcycle. It was hilarious. And so I talked to them a little bit. They were super nice. Um, yeah, that guy sounds awesome. Yeah, what I generally found is it was probably 70% women, 30% men, and the men were all there with supporting their female family member or friends. Um, I, you know, there there weren't a lot of men just showing up and hanging out unless, unless they were part of the LGBT community. Um, but it was a very communal event. It, it was a lot like a tea party where it had, you had a large crowd of people and they were showing up to be a part of something, to be a part of a community, to share an idea, to see what other people were thinking in their like-minded sphere, uh, to bond with each other around certain ideas. And in that respect, I really felt a lot of similarities between them and the Tea Party. And I loved people in the Tea Party. Like I, I always hated when people bashed on Tea Party members because the Tea Party members that I got to know and talk to and have conversations with at the dozens of Tea Parties that I visited and you know rallies that I went to between 2009 2011, they were by and large really decent people and they were willing to listen to a libertarian and have a conversation with them and argue back and forth in a respectful manner. It's just when they got on Facebook that you have. You have these avatars of people 
in your mind and you go, okay, well, this must be all tea partiers, all these baby boomers, and so they're all bad. And when you go and meet these people face-to-face, you go, oh, they're regular Americans. They're the people checking me out at the grocery store. They're the people selling me insurance. They're the people that are teaching my kids to drive. They're, it's just regular Americans. And so I saw a lot of the same exact signs at the Women's March that I saw at the Tea Party March. Uh, I'll see if I can't pull up my Twitter and read the actual sign, but... The people in the crowd, I agreed with 99% of the signs. There was only one sign that I saw that I had disagreed with, mm-hmm. and it was healthcare is a right. Yeah. But by and large, it was all about we should we, we should be against racism. We should be against bigotry. We should be against hatred. We mm-hmm. should be against inequality. Like These are things that we agree with. Yeah. These are principles that we agree on. Yeah. It, it also, to uh, to remind everyone, um, Spangle went to the Women's March in Indianapolis. Right. And in, in Indiana, nice good old red Indiana, and uh, not Las Vegas, L.A. or... Lot of lot of just regular moms. Yes. Yeah. A lot of moms hanging out at the Chili, drinking wine at the at the canvas with their friends. Uh, so, so that Chick Fil A line had been long. Oh yeah, and uh, no, it was a Sunday. Chick Fil A's closed. Yeah, it was Sunday, and was it Sunday? No, it was Saturday. Oh okay. Yeah, that it was, was a Sunday. Saturday, and it was the one year anniversary of the last year's march, and you know the sign said, "When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty." That's the same exact argument that Tea Partiers were making, that Barack Obama was creating a sense of injustice and that it was their duty to resist and and paying too much in taxes. Uh, It started out as taxed enough already. Mm -hmm. That that was something that was the singular issue that uh, everybody rallied around. Just as last year, women rallied around the idea that they're not second-class citizens, and somebody who thinks in, you know, 1970s male terms towards women is not something that they're going to support. And if you don't like what is going on, then you should get together, you should run for office, you should oppose it. And 390 out of 435 House races, as of now, have a female candidate. So that's a that's got to be the hit largest in history. I mean, there's no way that there's ever been a time where there's been that many women, women running for office. And that's good. Written history, anyways. Right. I'm sure maybe, you know, the Nubians <laughs> back in the day. Well, you know, there's a lot of cases that there was a lot of, like, a female... There's different female brand cultures in Africa and certain parts of uh, Southern Asia. There's a lot of different ones where, like, where women control the money and stuff like that. But, you know, that's, that's different. We're talking about, like, like old, different cultures. But, yeah, it's nice to see that the uh women also have the not the ability or the advantage or the right but just to see that they feel that they can the empowerment right? yeah they feel yeah. well it's a, this the uh, the other thing is they've had it for, uh women have had it for a while and it's not like it's not a new thing it's just more of a meh we'll just do this next right it's not there's nothing really standing in someone else's way for the longest time other than the will to want to do that yeah or the you know it the, the but you know, or, or even the thinking that they could win doing it. Yeah, you know, I can see that too because a lot of people are stuck behind like, well, can I even win? I know I have the right and the ability to do that, but can I win? Right. So we're we're talking in this episode a lot uh, in terms of this segment of women in 2018, and next episode we'll talk about men in 2018. Um, but I, like I said, w- in terms of what I saw on the stage, 
uh, in terms of what I saw in the crowd, I didn't disagree with those people. They looked like my peers. They, and this is, I think, a key part of what we have to do if we don't want to eventually devolve into some some level of civil war. Uh, you have to start going to stuff like this and finding the places that you agree, uh, finding the principles in which you agree. Uh, I agree with it, with opposing inequality. I ap- agree with female equality. I agree that women, that my my nieces should grow up with a sense of empowerment and should have in their mind no, th- they should be safe. They should be secure. They should be uh, guaranteed an equal starting point. I agree with those things. Uh, the The part of the rally that I disagreed with was the stage. And it was a four-hour rally. It started at one point and walked to another. And let me just say, like, if you're planning a rally, don't march. No more marches. Nobody likes the marches. They don't do anything. It annoys the cops. Like, you lose people as you're moving forward. You don't get the big photo that you need. Like, just have a rally at the state house or the city capitol or whatever market. Like, the march is where you start to, like, lose people. Like, half the people probably didn't even show up to the state house. I got there for the second act. And it was two hours of speeches, and everybody had five minutes to talk. And they ended right on time. They started on time. So when I say to you it was a two-hour block, they had previously done two hours of speeches. This was a two-hour block of five minutes of every progressive cause getting a chance to speak from the stage. <laughs> 50, 50% of the speakers were male uh, and because they were representing the Latino community or the black community or this advocacy group or that advocacy group uh and i i found that to be interesting you know i mean uh, you you it was astroturfed and it's so much like the the person i was with essentially said she was disappointed in it because it seemed like the year before there was a real camaraderie there was a real spirit to it the the stage wasn't as planned it was much more free form you had people talking who were speaking to a central issue and then this year, it was basically every progressive group getting up and taking advantage of the stage time to push donations for their cause. And that included such stupid issues as vote by mail. Oh, I got that in the mail. That sucks. I hated that so much. I'm glad sending that back. Let me explain something to you. The voter fraud issue on both sides is bunk. Okay? If... If you think that elections are being stolen by Republicans or by Democrats, go work as a poll worker. You and your county have the ability to go to your county clerk and say, I want to be a judge. I want to be I want to work the polls because the clerks are begging for people to work the polls. If you want to personally ensure that your local area does not have voter fraud, you can do that. (laughs) It's going to mean that you can have to get your lazy ass off the couch or take a day off of work to go do your civic duty, you can go and watch how the process works. Now, what are you laughing about? It's the most god-awful, boringest job It's That's right. Ever. It's boring because there's nothing exciting going on at the polls. Nothing. Nobody's nothing. stealing anything. I've, you, I've, you'd hope for fraud. Uh, right. <laughs> I've been involved in two, two campaigns. One was won by three votes. One was won by 14 votes in 2003 and 2004. And... 
I've been through the recount process, and I see how scrupulous they go over these two elections, local elections, right? Mm-hmm. Which all elections are local. Every election's run at your county level, all right? So yep. don't give me this national, they mm-hmm. rig the Diebold machines, you're wrong. You're just flat out stupid. You're creating conspiracy theories. You go to you go and watch how they do a recount, and you will see how much of a fine tooth comb they go through every single ballot. And it's it's just there's no there there. And these were races that were expected to be close. Those are the races you cheat in. Yeah, because there's like <laughs> one person counting, one person over the person counting, right? Double checking. Okay? And then the, and then there's a Republican, a Democrat, and a Libertarian in Marion County. <laughs> and each of the candidates and then the lawyers mm-hmm. I mean it's it's insane and so I mean I've been around politics for 15 years at a very local level at, every, at like I've served on election commissions I've been intimately involved in the voting process here in Indiana I've never seen anything that came close to voter disenfranchisement or voter fraud mm. ever yep. okay and this is a city with a million people in this county and they wish stuff happens. Like, I remember one time at one election, I, uh, someone was trying to hand me um, election material and stepped one foot too close. Right. And just watched him get off the chair. Ooh, you're too close to right. the elbows. Like, I was like, man, she must have been just watching. Yeah. <laughs> she just needed something. Right. I was like, and I felt so bad because he was just trying to hand me stuff. And I, yeah, I knew who I was going to vote for. I knew the race. And I was like, you know, just wanted Chris Mayo on. And, you know, and I just was like, nope, nope, here for Chris Mayo. On my way. Right. <laughs> You know, and try to step past them. Yeah. Know? So the the idea that we have that people are being turned away at the polls or unable to vote, like the vote by mail thing, the which the, I don't want. No one wants vote by mail unless unless they are like in term and can't leave. And those people have the ability to vote by mail. They it's called an absentee ballot. Yep. And they if and if some for some reason those people can't get an absentee ballot or something goes wrong on election day. The county clerk, at least in our county and the surrounding counties, has a roving team of people. Like when Rex Bell mm-hmm. had a stroke before the 2016 election, the county commissioner, the county clerk, sent out a team to have Rex vote yep. a couple days before the election. Mm-hmm. Like if you are in a situation where you're not physically going to make the polls and you don't have an absentee ballot, they will come to you. You have to take personal responsibility and set it up. Yep. But vote by mail is an easy way to cheat. Correct. This is how this is, you know, if you want to see fraud happen, it'll probably be by the mail system. Exactly. Because, you know, like, there's so many people that do not vote, right? So people already take credit card things out of people's other mail slips. What else do you think you're going to take out? Right. Majority of the people do not vote. So let you go, like, you know, so really the winner, the popular vote, every election is none of the above. Right. Not many people vote. But anyway, yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy the, like, the lack of people that, uh, that also have like all these misconceptions about voting uh-huh. that uh voting should be a day off and i'm like you know the there's laws you, you you have the ability to vote well i've got work well as long as the when the polls are open if you work your entire shift is between when the polls are open and when the polls close your the place that you work at right are required by law to allow you to get time off to go do this now yes. you are not paid do not expect to be t- paid for that this is your civic duty Quotation marks, civic duty. You're not to get paid for this, so but you have the ability to clock out, go vote, come back, and go back to work, and they can't do anything about it. But you also will not be paid, and the reason most people don't want to do it because they don't want to not be paid for that, which right. I, I understand. Hey, you probably get 
depending on how much you make an hour, you probably or actually you probably get get more out of your life if you don't go vote and just stay and get, get paid. Uh-huh. Or just fill out an absentee ballot. What? Right. Like what is it? You, like a two months you, before? If you know you can't take the time off, then get an absentee ballot or go. You can physically drive to the clerk's office and mm-hmm. vote at the clerk's office. Yeah. And Indiana's voting with voting centers and uh, getting rid of precincts and now like centralizing them in voting centers, and I'm all for it. Because those voting centers are open like nine to five for two weeks, you know, so you can take a half a day to go vote. You have two weeks to plan time to vote. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. Like to me, that's that's a great idea. Make it easier on people, but make it easy on people in a way that the two parties can't cheat anymore. They've already got us bent over a barrel because of gerrymandering, because of straight ticket voting, mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. of a, a mil- because they're owned stock and barrel by both by the entire media apparatus. Yep, uh, the way they debate, just like a like a like a libertarian try to do anything in uh, District Seven. You know, you can prop, you might be able to get the Republican debate too, but you're not going to get Andre to debate you, at least not on your terms. Absolutely. So, which, like, honestly, I think is the best strategy to beat Andre. It's like get with a Republican and act like Andre's not even running. Yeah, so I heard I heard dumb things like this from the stage. You know, you heard uh, one woman, they're they're going to steal health care for all. It's like nobody's <laughs> nobody's stealing health care. <laughs> like nobody's stealing. Uh, health care. Like health care is being taken away from women. Uh, I wish Snopes were on the side. I, like I told my friend, I said I should be Snopes. I should be up there with the microphone, fact checking everything these people say. Mm-hmm. And you just see through the day, like, people leaving the march. And one participant told me that she left feeling disappointed because she was white-shamed by the Black Lives Matter activist who got stage time. And, you know, was told white women are not doing enough for black women. And she's just like, but I'm here. <laughs> you know, well, you're not making enough of an effort. Okay, well, I'm here. This is, a, this is you know, what... What do you want me to do instead of chastising me? Give me orders. You know, so she was just very disappointed in the rally, too. Uh, it was it was it was just a parade of every progressive idea. And it reminded me so much of those tea parties where the 2009 tea parties like I went to a we surround them event that Glenn Beck did in 2009, 2010. And uh, the Baineys basically rented out this place in Fishers and live streamed the the Glenn Beck event and like 500 people showed up to this event center and it was spontaneous and everybody was like excited and there was electricity mm-hmm. and then you had the tea parties through 09 and and 2010 and they were a lot of fun but then like in 2010 they weren't as good as the 09 ones because you started to see like Oh, Americans for Prosperity's here, and mm-hmm. you know all these major groups like you know. Okay, that's cool. That's freedom pre- works like they're passing all passing out some pamphlets. That's okay, right? That's okay. That's but then, freedom. But then the next year, they're the ones planning the Tea Party, gathering your information, and then for the rest of your life, you're getting mailers from Republicans because you signed up at a Tea Party in 2009, mm-hmm. and that's like the opposite of what Tea Partiers were all about. And then the movement goes from very focused on being taxed too much, yep, to this muddled. Everybody on the right is throwing their ring in the hat and saying, this is what the Tea Party is about. I'm a Tea Party candidate. Right, which is why you should vote for me or give me money. You know, candidates start speaking. Now, to the the credit of the Tea Parties here in Indiana, they banded together pretty well, and they made it a point to not let candidates speak on the stage. 
and uh, I, even though I was involved in the in the planning of a lot of this stuff early on, uh, and they allowed me to be, but they were very suspicious because I was going to quote unquote take them over. It's like, well, you'd have to let me take you over, like, <laughs> like, and there's not that many libertarians, so the coup's probably not gonna be as effective. I'm here to help because I'm passionate about not paying as many taxes and changing society back to a constitutional government and I have professional experience. Well, we don't want your professional experience, but then uh, a Coke-funded organization comes along and, oh, we'll take your experience because you're Republicans. You know, and like Ned Ryan's son started American Majority, a training session, and it basically mm-hmm. was a backdoor way for candidates or for Tea Party people to get training, activist training from the people that the major conservative movers and shakers in D.C. wanted them to get to know and have a personal. It became, you know, a rubber chicken dinner circuit for the right to put establishment conservatives in front of Tea Party people and therefore grace them with the Tea Party label. And uh, and the whole movement just got completely co-opted and people abandoned the movement. And then all that was left were the religious right and the conspiracy theorists mm-hmm. and and it was just it was done and it was disappointing and the coverage was always completely negative you know jim shella here in indianapolis one rally which was held by uh, melissa donahy she was one of these rallies where she let anybody up on stage who was you know on her team basically and had 15 different messages coming from the stage. And so Jim Shella, the head political reporter in the state at the time, puts out this piece about how it's unfocused and completely butchers a video of me making me look like I don't know what I'm talking about and I'm an idiot. I give 45 seconds of, of, of perfectly fluid sound bites. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of like sputter at the end and go, bah, 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 we're all fed up. That's what he used. you know. And the message was they're unfocused, they're unfocused. Well, the message uh, about the Tea Party from the media, like with the Tea Party, it was always, they're angry. They're so angry. Mm-hmm. Now it's, they're so brave. These women are so brave. Yeah. yeah. So, this is just an underlying message, like the, the basement of the, uh, the fake news like that. You know, and, and it's, it's going to be weird to watch how or just how the mainstream media does start treating the lot of these women's marches, especially when they start having them every year. And whether or not, like, will these marches continue when their own person get in power? Will they continue to go after this person? Well, I want to play something. Uh, Glenn Beck was really instrumental in organizing a lot of the Tea Party. Yeah, which is Glenn Beck, not Slenderman Stone. Uh, and Glenn Beck basically put a really interesting montage together and has some interesting points in this little segment. Uh, and then it ends with a montage of the difference in the media coverage between the Tea Parties and the Women's March. Um, and so this, you're, the first voice you're going to hear is Rob Reiner speaking at the Women's March on Saturday in Washington, D.C. We were all here a year ago for many different reasons. But one of the unifying reasons was we were scared. We were scared of who was going to enter the White House. A year has gone by and he has corroborated every one of our fears. 
And we cannot whitewash this anymore. We have a racist in the White House. We have a sexist in the White House. We have a pathological liar in the White House. And he is tearing away at the fabric of our democracy. And when we all came together last time, we had the power. And it's the women. Okay, stop. The wi- I, okay. <clears throat> I can't take it anymore. Stop. Do you remember? Do you remember 828? Do you remember going to Washington? Do you remember this time? And do you remember that... Uh, they, the media was looking for signs. They were looking for anything. They're on. They wanted, they needed a sign that said Barack Obama is a Marxist. They needed it. Barack Obama is a liar. We want our government back because that was proof that you were, you were out of your out of control nuts you were a revolutionary you were anti-government and you were a racist they're just fear-mongering and what happened we gathered and the press didn't even notice they still tried to make it about something else not once not once did they say, wow, maybe there's something else happening here. Maybe this is about something bigger than just Barack Obama. Nope. Nope. They could not do it. Imagine had I given that exact speech on the steps of uh, the Lincoln Memorial. Imagine if I said half of those things on that day, what would have happened to me? They are so certain that they are right. They lack all self-reflection. I want to give you a little montage here. Because I learned a lesson. You cannot think out loud. <laughs> you can't you can't question. You can't look at somebody's record of life. You can't look at their words. Well, that's just the way white people will do you. You can't look at their books. Well, my grandmother had it bred into her to fear bla- <laughs> uh, black people. You can't look at the record of where they went to church. Jeremiah Wright and you can't look at what they're doing, the police acted stupidly. And say, you know what? I think this guy has a problem with race. You can't do that. You're a racist if you ask, is the president racist? Does the president have some racist tendencies? Is the president misinformed? Is the president out of step with regular America. Oh my gosh, what's regular America? How dare you? You mean white America, don't you? You're a racist. I mean, That's exactly what happened. 
Yeah, and, and Beck's career, really, the reason that you probably are rolling your eyes that I'm playing a Glenn Beck clip stems from his comments about Bar- Barack Obama. An, yeah. an episode he did on Fox where he started talking about the roots of Barack Obama and his relationship to the black community and his relationship and attitude towards whites. Mm-hmm. And he did what every single journalist, quote-unquote, new TV news presenter Rachel Maddow, MSNBC, even the left-leaning people on Fox, all questioning if Donald Trump's a racist. Now, (laughs) Donald Trump gives them plenty of racially charged, if not absolutely racist statements, right? On the the regular. Right. Like, regularly. Yeah, like, it's. I was thinking today it's a miracle that anybody's having a conversation about anybody other than Trump right now about this government shutdown and he's not involved right um but they they try their damnedest though i so i get why he's pissed when his career really was absolutely damaged by taking his he he was jordan peterson before jordan peterson was jordan peterson right you if you haven't and we will go through it next episode uh the jordan peterson interview with this presenter in uh britain where she just basically takes everything he says out of context and she paraphrases what he thinks puts negative spin on his thoughts instead of dealing with his thinking out loud and trying to understand our world today and get feedback he's he's politically destroyed you know it happened to milo yiannopoulos said a lot of crazy effed up things Mm -hmm. but in the context of what he was saying he was trying to make a specific point you may not dis- you may not agree with the point, but at least give him the benefit of the doubt and listen to him first. And that's one of the things that I always try to do is I try to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, listen to the context or the story as much as you can grab that story, and then make your decision from there. Like the Aziz Ansari thing, you go, yeah, he wasn't all it. Wa- he wasn't a, a choir boy here, but is he Harvey Weinstein? Oh, no. no, not even close. Like because. The media has just become a, destru- a machine of destruction, and they take one thing you say out of context and then just propagandize it over and over and over until it's the truth, to the point that even your allies won't defend you. And that's what this montage is about. So I, I get his him being pissed off about that doubled standard. God forbid you do that. Or is it suddenly okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that he doesn't like white people. I'm saying he has a problem. He has a, this guy is, I believe, a racist. Glenn back in the news. How is it possible that this guy can sit on national television and call the president of the United States a racist? This president sees everything through a, uh, a racial prism About and even have his own now, racist I wish we would just stop this. Glenn Beck and people like that need to the, stop the notion this. Now, Donald Trump it reinforces his animus, his racially uh, driven animus, his racism, that he demonstrates it over and over again from the Oval this, Office. You know, throwing out the R word, the racist word, and some other words are conversation stoppers. We're never going to get past the point where the Glenn Becks of the world will just hurl that out but at people. What more do we need to see or hear from this racist man? Not only is he racist, uh, he is an embarrassment. These are the birthers. Yes. This is the narrative. But, they want but, the man to fail, yes. and now they're labeling, hey, but, but, he's but, a racist. But, 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 it doesn't make what he said any less ignorant or any less racist. 
not racial, not racially charged. Now, as long as Glenn Beck is out there calling the president a racist or anyone else a racist, we're never going to get past this point of constantly reacting to racial flare-ups. Do you think President Trump is a racist? I think he is a racist. I, I see it with both Glenn Beck and with Rush Limbaugh. These guys with really suspect racial feelings and perceptions are projecting their own hate and their own divisiveness. And it's the same sentiment, Chris, and it's something that virtually everyone recognized right away. It is racism. It's such a blunt object of, of racism when you, when you say racism it's a it's a big charge oh it's a, it's a huge it's, i find it awful i i think you have to be very careful and then with secondly it. there's the racial angle i don't think there's any getting away from the color of people from norway as opposed to people coming from haiti africa I think a lot of that is uh simple grandstanding making outrageous statements provocateur uh, refuse back. to show any moral courage when it comes to standing up to the racist comments made by the president of the United States. I can't even believe States. it, first of all. Uh, Glenn Beck owes the president an apology. He owes the American people an apology. We take this additional, very clear racist thing. He's an evil man. This is an insult to our democracy, our way of life. We have to start calling things what they are. We have to stop asking if this person is a racist because the evidence is there. He and is. I hate giving someone who says something like that any more attention. Outrageous <laughs> is one way of putting it. I would say irresponsible. If you put Haiti next to Norway, as Donnie said, is a black and white issue the way the president laid it out yesterday. If someone on the left... This is all morning, Joe. This is them saying, calling Glenn Beck calling the president racist is despicable, and now they're calling Trump racist. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he's kind of, he's hanging them by their own words. Had called George Bush a racist on TV. Would we be throwing our hands up? Would we be so outraged? Yes. Would we demand no. an apology? Yes. We would. I would. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I would. Sure. Yes. <laughs> so he basically ends it with Morning Joe saying, you know, if Glenn Beck had called George Bush a racist, would we be asking for an apology? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so it it is, again, it, it's... Glenn Beck saying, I, I think that he has a problem with white people or there's some sort of relationship to white people that is problematic, and I want to have a discussion about this, and then he's completely destroyed by it. And th this charge of racism is the left's favorite charge because it means that they don't have to deal with any of your ideas. Right. Identity politics practiced on both sides of the aisle but nurtured on the left is a way to completely ignore it's it's ad hominem attack it's a logical fallacy i'm not listening to you because i don't believe that you're a, a rational actor it's why can the term conspiracy theorist uh is a dangerous term in a lot of ways like 25 percent of what alex jones says is probably right 25 percent is absolute batshit crazy and 50% is just self-promotion and vitamin sales <laughs> and hyperbole. <laughs> I'm not bragging. I've been with 150 women by, by 16. You know, <laughs> right. You know, he's uh, – but to call him a conspiracy theorist means that you never have to deal with anything he ever says. You know, at least some people try to listen to Alex Jones and say, here's why this isn't true. Here's the, here's the opposite evidence. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the people who just outright say, oh, he's just – you know anybody associated with the right? Uh, there was a uh, a rally this weekend with a lot of they call themselves the new right, uh, which 
I've got a book about the new right from the 70s, 60s, I think. Checked out from the library right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I had The Politics of Fear, I think is the name of it. So now it's and, the old right. Right, yeah. and it's basically talking about the new right, and it's talking about the John Birch Society. And uh, so the new right was the term for the alt-right in the 60s, and now they're called they're calling themselves the alt-right. Uh, and it's funny to see people like Gavin McInnes and... Mike Cernovich and some of these other uh, Anna Kate. I'm not. I'm not alt right. Those people are racists. I'm. I'm new right. But what is wrong with all these black people and trans people are actually ma- like? Then <laughs> they go on to say insensitive stuff, and it's just like, dude, you're undermining your own argument just because you say you're racist and then you like provoke mm-hmm. by saying racial statements, racially charged statements. You're just. Like, you're just looking for a fight. You're not trying to be intellectually honest. But anyways, they had a night for freedom, and uh, they had to move the venue several times because uh, Antifa and these venues kept getting too much harassment, so they just shut it down. Shut down the speech. And it's like Jordan Peterson said in that interview with uh, the Channel 4 lady, you have to risk being offensive to have a discussion of ideas. How can you have an honest debate about ideas if you're not going to run the risk of being offensive? And I, I generally believe offensive is not an actual thing. Like, have you ever been offended, Harry? No. Right. No. no. I think the other things have shocked me, but not like, like, wow, I'm like outrageously offended. Shock is an emotion. Yeah. Fear is an emotion. Mm-hmm. Anger is an emotion. Offended is not an emotion. Right. Offended, offended doesn't exist. In the range of human emotions, in my opinion. Like, and if somebody says they're offended, I just think they're lying. They're trying to make a political point. Yeah, that's true. I think the only times I've ever used the word, like, really offended and actually meant it, meant it has been um, when I was LARPing. Yeah, usually <laughs> when I LARP. Right. When you know, you're role-playing. Yeah, when I'm role-playing. I Like, especially when we're role-playing, like, being in, like, a uh, feudal court, I will be offended. I'm getting offended quite often. Right. So this this uh, charge of racism against your uh, political opponents is just an insidious ad hominem attack. It's really vile, uh, and it's anti-intellectual. And college-educated whites tend to skew liberal now, and they consider themselves uh, intellectually superior to libertarians and conservatives. And yet they engage in conversational techniques that are just dishonest, mm-hmm. that aren't true that are uh, propagandist. And I think that's why you've seen the rise of this whole industry of provocateurs on the right who see it as their job to take that charge, turn it around, and go, so? Like, that was that was always uh, Andrew Breitbart's retort when somebody would say, you're X, Y, and Z, so? Because then you just immediately neutralize exactly what they're trying to say about you. Instead of trying to defend, like, if somebody is going on and calling you a racist, just go, I'm not a racist, but thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, don't even engage. Like, the more you try to prove yourself, yeah. the the more pathetic you look and you've fallen into their little trap because they're not being honest dealers. And so much of what I saw at the Women's March was just not dealing in honest conversation. It's really a bummer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and but it's, but it's easier. It's the it's that easier tactic because once again, if you have to deal, if you have to fight with a straw man, 
versus a regular man in front of you or and i'm using man as in like human you know the, uh-huh. ma- the species of man that's just because you know chris over here and he's a white male um but <laughs> just you know and it's that just that de- and it's easy for them to dehumanize to attack you this way because then when you're a racist now you're another right. i don't have to treat you like a human anymore and then once I've said racist, everyone else who has also heard that will now also not treat you like a regular person. Right. You're now another to all everyone around us. Mm-hmm. And, you, and then it makes your brain, well, I don't want to be another. I want to be in the tribe. I want to be with the tribe. I want to be with everyone else. Right. Your brain starts freaking out. You know, that's why you get like upset and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not. This is not what I am. Because, you know, that's an othering term. You know, mm-hmm. this is how you excommunicate people out of tribes. Yeah. You know. And, and rejection is an incredibly powerful tool because it it plays on the lizard brain inside your head. And I've had this conversation in terms of romance with a lot of friends lately who are sad because they feel rejected. Like, well, the reason that you are sad about that is because your your brain is biologically, you know, bent towards being accepted by a group. Because for tens of thousands of years of humanity, we were pack animals in a group fighting mm-hmm. mastodons and tigers and six foot tall penguins and six foot tall penguins and dinosaurs, if you believe uh, Ken Ham. But you, your brain relied on the group, and so we are we are built to be in a group, a small group of other human beings that we share a tribe with. You know, I've got my great group of friends. I've got my We Are Libertarians tribe and, you know, add on that Jeff Vibbert and Caitlin Kopetsky and uh, some, you know, friends from my Bob and Tom work and uh, or the day job, I should say. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I try never to bring that. They're very anti-politics and I am too. I don't like mixing my peanut butter with my chocolate. Uh, so I try to avoid mentioning where I work uh, just because I don't want them to, uh, I don't want them to have to be associated with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah. So that's why I'm always careful to not bring that up because I just don't want to mix those two. So he, he may charge you for every time you bring up the show, right? Uh, <laughs> so y- you know, I've got my tribe of friends. Uh, a lot of people go to church to find a small group and find meaning in that. People like fantasy football leagues because it gives them uh, a central point of connection, a reason to talk to each other through several months of the year and to get together. And you know, I was on this uh, podcast called Juice in the AM. And uh, I think Justin Kelly was his name, Juice. Uh, great, great podcast here out of Indianapolis. And he had like a full wrestling belt for his fantasy football thing. And I'm just sitting there going, well, this is really weird. He's got like a belt. Like, is that immature? It is. Come on. And then Come I went, on. no, it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because it is Come on. perfectly. Listen, nerd. Okay. <laughs> you and your Discord friends play video games every Friday night yeah, in the Discord no, chat for like We Are Libertarians. A, like a normal group of people. Right. No. Like, yes, normal for you, because you've found the birds that you flock together with. And so I was like, you know what, that's actually really cool, because that's a great way for them to bond. Sports is a way for guys to bond with each other. Uh, video games is a way for guys to bond with each other, or to ignore their wives, but... I prefer dice, personally. I love <laughs> getting right. together with a group of people and roll some dice. Shooting peas. Uh, Somebody like made me crawl some dungeons. <laughs> so you you have these various reasons, and so when you're in a group, if you were to be cast out of that group, rejected by that group, that's a major ego wound. And what that does is it 
sends you spiraling because it's certain death for your prehistoric brain. So rejection's very difficult. And uh, the idea of shame is built into that. Shame was the tool that our brain used to keep us in, in the right lanes. Shame, if I do this, then I will be shamed by the group. And if I get shamed enough, I will be cast out and I will be dead. The left has weaponized shame. And people who use identity politics on the left and the right weaponize shame. Uh, I don't. I don't want to be Ben Shapiro and just beat up on the left here. Right, 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 it's just the left. It's just the but, left. But the but the right. Yeah, the right does that to its shame. The libertarians do it. Yeah. Status. That's status thinking. That's you know you're crazy and um and you know who you are when you go like that's just anarchist. You're an anarchist. You're one of those other anarchists over right. there. You can just go over there and be with the other others over there. You know? Exactly. And we're we're tribalist creatures, so we can bemoan tribalist politics, but. We're, we're we're predisposed to it. Yeah, your brain's going to do it. But the reason that we reject tribalist politics is because it's lazy thinking, and We Are Libertarians is not about lazy thinking. It is about rising above your lizard brain and trying to achieve another plane and trying to organize society in a smarter way. Like, government is, to me, lizard brain thinking. Let's just give the power over to somebody else to control our lives. Like... In modern times of humanity, and I will put that from like Sumeria and ancient Egypt on to now, we've lived under rulers. And we have felt that that was the right way to organize society. Well, moving forward, especially in the age of artificial intelligence and technology, we're going to start organizing society according to libertarian principles. Individualism will be more important. And these small groups of people will be more important. And you're only going to see tribalism increase, but you're going to see the power of rulers decrease. Like, as we will get to at the end of this, like, what power does the government really have? They can't even pass a, a continuing resolution. They have to continually falter. And I think the, the new world order that was outlined in the 20th century is starting to break down. And it will be in favor of a more libertarian world. And that's why it's so important for libertarians to lead the way in terms of intellectualism and thought and discourse and rise above the the propaganda of the left and the right. Like, rise above it. Don't engage in it. Mm -hmm. Don't do the whataboutism. Like, I know you were a former Republican and now you're a libertarian, but, like, don't just hate the left because it, Trump tickles your ears. Yeah. And if you're a former Democrat and now you're a libertarian, don't just keep hating the right. Right. And yeah. so I want to I want to take this opportunity to to give some perspective to the women's marches, because as I said before, I'm all for it. I'm all for engagement and building tribes and women running for office and women having equality. But what I heard on the from the stage was fascism mm -hmm. was the road to tyranny. And both sides do it, the right and the left do it. Anytime you hear anyone trying to sell you something by making somebody else a scapegoat, they're manipulating you 100% of the time. And libertarians fall into this trap by, by making the government the scapegoat for all problems. And that's why I try not to do it. It's just the government. That's easy. That's lazy thinking. I'd be an anarchist because it would just be easier. We'd start the mics. We'd go, uh, this week we're talking about the government shutdown. It should be shut down permanently. 
All right, thanks for coming by. We'll see you next week. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Easy. Oh, I feel better about Man. myself. It was Wall-spurt. so it was so easy. Wallspurt. <laughs> Some uh shade from Harry Price. Um it's it's easy thinking. Uh you want to end the government and you want to have an anarchist society, you've got about 300 years of progress that you've got to get started on right now. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and I'm at the forefront of that. You're not. You're taking the easy path out intellectually. Uh, the the stage was white men were the problem with society. And I have a theory, and I'm going to think out loud. I'm going to I'm going to fall into the Glenn Beck trap, and that's a lot of what this is. Is I try to think out loud because I want I genuinely I genuinely want to hear feedback from your perspective. Sometimes I don't get time to write back to everybody that writes in, but I do read everything that you send. Um, but I, I've got a theory about the women's marches because men really love to make jokes and shit on these women marches, and I I'm not a fan of that because to me, like if I were passionate about something. And uh, I felt that part of my identity was being uh, demonized. I would want to fight against that. And I think, I think men are starting to feel demonized. And uh, it's partly their fart, fart partly their fault. Uh, but it's also largely the conversation and the way the conversation is structured. So I want to put the 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 conversation about where women are at in a different paradigm. Uh, and where men are at, because it, it came out of going to the women's march, and then the next day having a conversation with some friends about household chores, and it's my group of friends talking about, you know, well he does this and he doesn't do that, and I never did this, and when I was married I didn't do that, and blah blah blah, and we're talking about this, and it hit me. Millennial men are making a greater effort to shift gender roles than any generation in the history of of mankind. They're actively trying to not be their dad's generation. Like, think about your dad. Like, my dad brags that out of three kids, he changed two diapers the entire time. You know, in in our dad's generation, Harry, a stay-at-home dad, you'd be looked at a little bit uh, queer. Yeah. (laughs) Especially as a black man in the black community. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Your stay-at-home dad, Harry? Yep. Yes, I am. I like it, and it's fun. You know, Right. Like, uh, anyone, like, really hanging around, like, um, Lacey and I, like, we question and move all kinds of different like gender roles like that, and people just don't understand that, right? You know, and people give, give start, try to give me crap about it. I'm like, dude, like I, this is you know this works for us, this helps us out. I don't, you know, and you know, and it's not like we're doing this for like some like oh we're doing this to fight the patriarchy. No, this just works for us, right? You know, it's, at this it's current two, time, two individuals making a personal right. choice as opposed to what does society say we ought to do. What are the roles that Lacey and yourself must meet to care for Gunther? Correct. Yeah. And and so you, as a millennial man, said, I don't care what society says gender roles are. I'm going to do what works for be- for us. And nobody – does anybody even actually really care or give you crap for it? No. They do, like, if, um, like, the like – Jesting just because guys check each other, guys is what guys do. Guys tease, yeah, right? We tease, we check each other, or it's uh, it's that it's that alpha ranking. Like it comes oh. from you watch an ape show. I'm watching Monkey, uh, the Monkey Show, uh, on Netflix. Monkey mm-hmm. something. Yeah, it's it's a ranking. Like we don't we don't fight with each other physically. We tease each other. That's how guys work. Yeah, and it's mostly and or if I do see any of that it's like, if it's try to be like um, real about it. It's more of like. Once again, I'm going to other boomer again. You know, it's usually the older boomer types, but, uh, yeah. but no. But mostly, most about of it, women. No. How do uh, women react to it? 
lot of, uh, some women uh, like it. They respect it. They understand it. Um, and a lot of them, I see a lot of women wanting also helping me, giving me tips, lots uh-huh. of advice. Um, and then there's some women that feels that it's, you know, th- and this is the rare one that's, you know, they don't um, quite understand it. Or they think I re- like uh, they think like I'm lazy mm-hmm. and I should just go get another job. Which you know I'm not you know I'm not demon you know there's women that there's men that do that to stay at home moms like they're being lazy they need to go out and you know get a job and bring home cash right you know you know and uh, it's uh, it's just how it is you know but I mostly get it from like like I said it's. You know, most of those people that try to come, like they just don't understand this whole situation that we're in, and and this wasn't all planned. This was a lot of the thing we just like kind of uh, 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 like a fe- a fell into. You know, right? It's kind of it just kind of happened, and it we just moved forward from it. But of course, Lacey and I, and I've been like this weird situation for the longest time. Like when we first like really lived together, I you know like she was mostly the one that stayed at home all the time, and now you know. She, I uh, I'm at a point in my life that I need to um, finish. I need to get to load up back up on my certification, and finally, she wants me also to finish my certification because I we want to move to New Hampshire, so it's moving to a different place, and I want to keep a tech job. Mm. A lot of different places I go to apply for in Boston, New Hampshire, they want someone with, with a bat for your bachelor's degree or the experience. I have the experience, but a lot of them, well, you know, I'm going to go with this guy. He's got close experience that you have, but he's also got his bachelor's degree. And right. I'm like, yeah, but I've got more experience than this guy, but yeah, and I'm coming from out of state. So, like, I've got all these things stacked against me. So, I, um, she figured it'd be a better for me to work on my bachelor's degree and watch our kid so that's not counted against me when I try to apply for jobs out there. Yeah, and I think forcing people into gender roles uh, is not good. Like like we talked about during the Aziz Ansari, forced chastity is not good. Chastity by choice, I think, is a healthy choice. And I will say, for, like, with, for a lot of people. The good th- uh, I'm going to say that because I also said on the live stream on Twitch that the um, Anzi, uh, AA, uh, Anzi Ansari thing. The only good thing that's going to come about that is that it brought a conversation back to the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. That's the only good thing that people questioning and commenting. It's no longer become listen and believe. Now the conversations are starting to happen. And right. I think that's the only good thing that come out of that like almost assassination attempt on his career. So, you know, in the, in this conversation about chores, I was like, have, has anybody really taught guys to do chores? Like, the main complaint that I hear from women about their men is that they don't do enough around the house. It's like... Did well, did your dad do chores? Did their dad do chores? Who taught them how to do chores? I know how to do chores because, uh, like, the slave driver in the Exodus story, mm-hmm. that's that was actually based on my mother. Uh, she's Pharaoh. Like, I was born and bred to do chores around the house. I was not born as a son. I was born as a servant boy. <laughs> and then my dad owned a janitorial company. But a lot of guys, like, I didn't know until two years ago how to put dishes in the dishwasher. Nobody taught me the proper way. Like, men in this generation are sitting there going, well, like, well, he didn't clean the countertop. Well, he doesn't know that you're supposed to clean the countertop. That's like, you say do the dishes, we do the dishes. We don't clean the countertop. You say clean the kitchen, we do all of it. Yes, like, it's the very, systems. It's very, yeah. Controlled systems. Right. And I'm just sitting there arguing with these friends going, they're making the effort. They're just not doing the effort in the way that you want them to do the effort. Instead of being mad about them and nagging them, like... Why don't you take a look at it from this perspective? 
this is the first generation of men willing to do housework. Well, the, well, the, the other thing is, like, um, it's not that the men are willing to do housework. Men have, for years, have done housework. They've done husbandry. Right. Okay? That is taking care of the field, um, building posts, taking care of the car, all these other what quote unquote man things or husbandry around the house those things had to been happened but now we've become more uh, most people have be stopped becoming more rural more urban or have things taken care of the house so the only thing that can be done at the house after work is you know like the cleanliness or chores inside the house right and it's well, one like reason why men did like a lot of the buildings stuff like that because of the lack of tools. You know, regardless of what you want to say, uh, you can't. Uh, it's harder for. It's not saying a woman can't build a fence, but it's a, so much easier for a five foot ten to six foot man to build a fence and hit a hammer with it. But now with you know you can get smaller pieces of wood, electric hammer, you know, let all these different like you know tools to make the job easier. But like uh, the other thing that was also uh, I uh, I noticed it's easier for my transition to also help around the house is because oh you're transitioning congratulations okay, thank you thank you welcome but the uh, the ability that I have because I actually had took a home ec- home economics class where most people so I had shop and home ec so not only can I sew and craft and make things and cook from home ec I also had shop so I also went to shop class so I can work on cars I can build things it's what I know how to do it's mm-hmm. I'm not the best and Aaron Ewert can say that when he came over to my house and looks at some of my building woodworking screw he was like you need to call Tad <laughs> so I'm like it works it's up there you should probably call Tad yeah, <laughs> yeah I gotta fix this this drives me crazy your, your mic your microphone was off does that does that affect anything uh, no it's just driving me crazy because it's not straight I'm a little OCD. Uh, so I'm on the spectrum. Uh, so uh, so I'm going to read something that I wrote that I literally just posted on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> Did you see Reynolds' comment? Old Cosby joke, men screw up chores so they're not expected to do it anymore. That's, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I feel like my wife did that one time. Like I cleaned the entire uh, kitchen, and um, she uh, decided to have a midnight snack and make you know uh, guacamole. Right. Well, she like made a mess of my pretty awesome kitchen. So uh-huh. when I woke up to have breakfast in the morning, I was like, had to clean everything first uh-huh. before I made my coffee. I was like, what did she do? It's so, awful. so the broad cultural conversation in in our lifetime as a thirty four year old man, uh, the broad cultural conversation has been girl power. You know, starting with the Spice Girls and and empower women and build them up. While the representation of men has largely been. Seth Rogen, they're stoners, they're lazy. M- men are lazy. Mm-hmm. And dads uh, are stupid, I- stupid fat idiots. Right. And mm-hmm. and we really need to build women up because women are not thriving. And I, I think this has been a multi-generational thing. I think it started with the Gen X kids and has gone into millennials. It's certainly mm-hmm. happening with Gen, Gen oh, yeah. Z. And part of what I want to kind of outline tonight and get you thinking about and feel free to email me at editor at wearelibertarians.com to see where you think I might have missed the mark. Uh, because I'm gen- I'm genuinely having this conversation out loud because I want you to be aware. I understand that saying it's not as bad for women as they think, it's probably worse for men, is an offensive statement. Uh, but here's some facts, okay? This is all from Kay Heimowitz's Manning Up. It's a great book. Uh, that kind of talks about the the immaturity of the modern man and how much women are thriving while while men are uh, not 
in in this generation and the younger generations because if you look at the the me too crowd and the abuses of power it's a lot of it's a lot of boomers mm-hmm. they're abusing their power but you know women are moving up the ranks as you'll see um as of 2010 women earn more college degrees than men mm-hmm. in 67 of 120 countries including Iran and America between 1975 and 2006, women with college degrees increased from 18% to 34%. So that's almost a doubling from 75 to 2006. Uh, men went from 27 to 28%. They increased 1% in that time period. Women make up to 60% of graduates. By every indicator, women are outperforming men in testing and a desire for education. Women are more motivated to graduate college than men. Uh, they work harder at their education. For example, how many female friends studied abroad versus men? I I have so many female friends that went abroad to study. I don't know a single guy that went in my generation to go study abroad. Yeah, it, because they probably didn't have the opportunity. Uh, why why would they Why would they not have the opportunity, but a a female student wouldn't? I don't. I call bullshit on that. Um, I don't. Uh, if you remember back, like of the Obama era, with like the Dear Colleague letter of and then all the Title IX stuff that has gone out to make it uh, almost a. Most people want f- uh, women in different programs, so they're motivated. There's more programs for them, or when people are having like. You know, because uh, one of the expenses of studying abroad is also finding somewhere to stay. Mm-hmm. Most people would jointly rent out a house to a young woman than they are to a young male. They don't want a young male in their house, mm-hmm. so that that's another expense. So that added expense to that thing. This is another reason why um, uh, some men aren't finishing college is because of that dear colleague letters. A lot of the Title IX crap for that stuff. Right. Okay. I don't. It's, Fair enough. Yeah, it's there's a it's a ma- lot of lot of layers on the thing on reasons. So it's just more like, well, why? What's the point? Right. You know, I can do that, or I can stay here and try to like, you know, get scholarships, or just try to get it done here. So this new workforce has led uh, a growth in a lot of different industries, and it's benefited society. So this is why it's good. It's good to give women equality, because as you increase women's ability to participate in the workforce. And you have a better educated workforce, you get new, better em- employable workers, right? That's a good thing. Uh, this has led to growth of the nonprofit and creative industries. The nonprofit industry has almost been completely spawned in the last uh, 50 years because women are entering the workforce. They choose careers. This is why this is why the wage gap is so disputed by people on the left, uh, by people on the right, and libertarians, is because women choose careers that are more empathetic. They choose nursing, they choose teaching, they choose nonprofits, and those pay less. And they also drop out of the workforce because of pregnancy mm-hmm. and, and jump back in. And so when you have that 9%, 72% disparity, whatever number you're looking at, and that's an aggregate number. And we'll talk more about that next week. And I'm doing my best to help mess with those numbers too. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, But they choose careers that don't, don't pay as well as engineering or or uh, you know, owning a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in 1960, <laughs> women were six percent of doctors and three percent of lawyers. So 1960, six percent of doctors. Now they're 49 percent of doctors. 1960, women were three percent of lawyers. They are now 47 percent of lawyers. Women in New York, between 21 and 30, earn 117 percent of what men do. Mm-hmm. It's 120 percent in Dallas. This is as of 2010. Childless women are out-earning men in 147 of 150 of America's top cities. 
This is despite women choosing careers that earn less, such as education and nonprofits, versus engineering and business school. Women are entering those fields as rec- at record numbers as well. Millennial women own homes at a higher number than men. In 2005, mm-hmm. single women made up 21% of the real estate market, while men made up 10%. So we're in an apartment right now. And I would say 75% of the women I've dated over the last four years had a house, including people in their early 20s mm-hmm. had a house. I did not. I don't. I don't plan on it. I, I, so a lot of single guys just don't opt for housing. Um, it's easier to move around f- and for a job. If you're single and you want to move around, it's easy to you know move and get a different um, you know. Uh, like if you've got a job in Chicago, job in Tennessee, you move. You know, you, right. if you're moving around all the time for your jobs, what's the point of getting a house? Right. You know, and it's easier to get a roommate in a you know an apartment and bank and save your cash. Now, I, and I realize what I'm about to say generalizes people, but it's I, I it's just it's it's based on my personal anecdotal evidence uh, dating hundreds and hundreds of women. That's where I'm going to insert the laugh track later. Uh, and uh, a lot of my female friendships, I generally find women uh, in the millennial age bracket, my friends are more interested in engaging with their community, furthering their education, improving their body and soul, owning property, saving money, growing their career while raising kids. They're more interested in emotional and and self-care, whereas men are more interested in their career, their sports, their immediate family, uh, or hobbies. Uh, and so I, I just find women are excelling right now and men are not. And uh, a lot of my male friends, and I know Harry hates when I beat up on things like video games, but men have largely, a lot of my friends have retreated to simple distractions. And, and I'm guilty of it too. I would say that social media for me is a huge distraction. It's my version of a video game or a fantasy football league. And we're finding meaning in in hobbies as opposed to meaning in our community, in our spiritual life, in our physical life, in in our family life, uh, and it, it, it's it's we're less likely to make an er- an effort in those areas, and it leaves women, as Jordan Peterson points out, like wondering where all the good men have gone. And I just find men my age are in a malaise that there's a general malaise and. They see their female friends and family thriving with society encouraging their success, and the drumbeat of ending the patriarchy is taken personally by these men, and they resent that their female peers are doing better than they are while acting as if women are still oppressed. On that stage, I heard the keynote speaker say, every woman here is oppressed. She is, uh, she didn't say, what was the word she chose? Um, Suffering. She said, the women in this crowd are suffering. The men in this crowd are suffering. The, the LGBT community is suffering. The blacks are suffering. Like, uh, are they? No. <laughs> and, and I just looked at my friend and I go, are you suffering? Uh, now, she's a social worker, so she goes, so she, you know, always does this jujitsu on me. And, you know, how are you feeling about this? Uh, and, <laughs> and I said, uh, the people who show up to a rally are not suffering. The right. people that you interact with in your job are suffering. The people who cannot make it to a rally because they're struggling to feed their kids are suffering. You listen to The Cost, our podcast series, those people are suffering. Uh, they're not, the majority of this country is not suffering. The majority of this country is thriving. Women, by and large, are thriving. Men are, are 
stagnant but still moving upward in a lot of ways in the mm-hmm. millennial and Gen Z generations. Like society is moving forward in positive ways, and we just have this attitude that everything is shit. All right. To defend the guys in this whole thing, if you ask him, uh, but you have to understand a lot of the men who are becoming 30 years old, right? They have watched their fathers, their uncles, right, get destroyed by a system that does not want them and only wants them monetarily. Right. Why in the heck would a lot of men want to one get married in in front some of the crooked system they've watched i can you know i can get on facebook and it easily like hey is there any dads how many dads on this thing how many dads on this facebook page that can see this thing didn't get to see their kids for christmas or if they right. did they saw them two weeks later right how many dads sat there like why would you, most people don't want to have a family with a lot of these like these women because not only if they have a kid and something bad happens for this they're probably only going to see the kids for about what 20 you know 20 days out of the whole freaking year. I probably have a conversation with a friend a month trying to figure out how to raise money to hire a lawyer, to pay their lawyer, to get more time with their kid because the court is so biased against men. Yeah, yeah. Look at what Angelia Jolie did to Brad Pitt, okay? Mm -hmm. All this... this crap that she put out in the courtroom that he was abusive and do all this stuff to brad pitt this is like a big case or there's some of the stuff that's going on with johnny depp that happened with johnny depp and the amber heard stuff that he was abusive all this stuff and she put all this stuff but all that now that's all continued away because what she really wanted what they really got was money or control of the kids Mm -hmm. it's crazy so if as a man if you watched all this and saw all this crap why in the living heck would you want to touch any of that if honestly perfectly honest if I really didn't have or found lazy at the time and she wasn't the type of ride or die you know like uh, libertarian that I have dude I'd be you know 30-something years old, living in an apartment with a bunch of dudes, living in bunk beds, banking all our cash, just building cars and just driving around. Why would the heck would I want to touch any of that crap? Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that. Get it? And then full-hearted. That's why, like, a, you know, it's you know, it's a ticking time bomb to touch. Yeah. So, to, to continue on, um, when men try to explain this resentment that they have towards the cultural conversation of Me Too and the, the wage gap and the patriarchy and increasing ideals, women often take exception to what they're trying to say instead of listening. And this just makes men retreat further. And the comment section of my post hopefully won't, but we'll probably bear this out. Make Have a conversation like this in, in uh, a space like pu- the public square, and you're, going, you're only inviting attack. Mm-hmm. And when men can't discuss manhood or bond without the cries of exclusion the void is filled by people like Trump. And so when you don't allow men to have men's clubs, mm-hmm. uh, when you don't, you know, er, nobody nobody squeaks or says a word when women have, you know, the Red Hat Society or girls-only clubs because you want to encourage that. You want to encourage gender-based bonding. Mm-hmm. But when men do it, it's seen as evil by, it, it, by really what happens is those... Feminist writers that all work in New York City that want to be Carrie Bradshaw that work for these uh, spam mills like Bustle, uh, like Babe, like the Huffington Post, Mm -hmm. that are these major SEO titans. These companies control so much of our political and cultural discourse. And so when they find something offensive, they set the, the tone of the conversation. And when you're dealing with radical SJW feminists of both male and female persuasion, Mm -hmm. setting the cultural conversation, you're starting from a position of being attacked and defending yourself. And if you've read Sun Tzu's The the Art of War, 
defending yourself is the worst position that you can possibly fight a war in. And I'm not saying that this needs to be a war because it needs to be an open and vulnerable conversation about what men need to to be equals with women and what women need to be equals with men and how can we be good partners with each other and not be divided along the gender lines mm-hmm. or racist lines or religious lines like how, or political lines. Uh, we're not that far apart. I saw that at the rally. So many of the people in that crowd, you could have put easily put them in the middle of the Tea Party crowd. They look alike. They talk alike. Their goal is to make a better world for their kids and their grandkids. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not that far off. But our conversation is so bent because we're allowing the conversation to be controlled by cliches and spam mills and click bots. So, uh, so men, I think, are retreating and becoming angrier, and men are falling, are failing society by staying boys. Men, you're failing yourself, you're failing your family, you're failing your future family, if you are staying a boy, if you're not dealing with what it means to be a man, and who is there to teach you? Because your dad's probably a, a man child too, you know. We don't. Or they didn't get to see him. Or right. they were, or like they're um, a lot of people. They a uh, lot of kids. They are separated from their fathers just because the the, um, the mother or the wife decided to. You know that's how that's a tool she's going to use to destroy this guy. Or yeah, women women choose men who aren't going to stick around. Right, and the other thing is he's probably like or jaded about the whole experience and have said such bad things that he probably doesn't want to be around or has his own problem he has to deal with. Right, you, you know if you want to see you want to see some oppression, find a guy that's paying child support and ask to look at his paychecks. How much did he bring home? You yeah. want to see oppression? Yeah, uh, I mean if you're if you have a child and you're a man, you have a duty to take care of that boy and raise that that boy or girl. Like you, you have a duty to do that and. Uh, but there's more to raising a kid than just money, and, and I don't even think being a father is just the essential part of being a man. Mm-hmm. I think there's vir- virtue, like what values do you hold, what goals do you ho- hold, how are you going to meaningful meaningfully contribute to the world directly around you? We spend so much time sitting there thinking about Washington D.C. and global politics and sports and. Things that happen hundreds of miles away from us, but we spend no time thinking about the immediate circle of influence that we have, and we, as men, are disconnecting from that and disengaging. And I apologize, I have uh, still dealing with the uh, the fallout from the cold, so my nose is all messed up. So um, keeps looking at his his bottle. He wants to, he wants to take a hit. So women should have equality with men, and and all of the men that I choose to be friends with agree with that. Men don't want to feel like second-class citizens, and they don't want women to feel like second-class citizens. Yes, women were second-class citizens in previous generations, but a period of subjugation isn't the answer. Any movement that seeks to change by naming a scapegoat is, a manipul- is manipulative and wrong. We need an honest dialogue with men and women without attacking each other. The same applies to races, religions, political ideologies. And a dialogue needs to be carved out for men to excel emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, in relationships and at work. And my T- TLDR was change the gender narrative from girls rule and boys drool to let's kick ass together. What do you need for me to make that happen? It's less catchy but healthier. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the the extension of that childish thinking, you know, uh, when you when you become an adult, you're supposed to put away childish thinking. And the idea that girls rule, boys drool... And that men have to suffer for you to be 
significant is just not a correct idea. And I don't, I don't think that there's any women listening to this audience that think that. Uh, I think it's it's the people setting the conversation in New York City, in LA, and 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 these these blogging sites that influence a lot of of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what we what I think men need from women is the allowance to be vulnerable and open about how they're feeling. And I think that if you're a woman listening to to this, um, couple things. First, recognize that. You as a woman have never had it better in the history of the world. And the men in your life, by and large, are probably trying to help make that happen because they love you and care for you. And women across society are excelling and men are stagnating. And so you're growing while they're not. And you know that that spurns jealousy and resentment. And when they have a different view, a different perception of things, and people who are excelling are going, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. The, there's a there's a, a pendulum that swings back the other way that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> and whenever somebody has tried to be made out to be the scapegoat, that's not good. So think about the words that you use and the arguments that you advance on social media and in, in discussions with your friends and family and if you find friends and family are scapegoating men and not trying to find equality but trying to uh get one over mm-hmm. y- you don't you don't get over somebody by getting under somebody that's not the right way to do it is it harry no. No. uh help men by saying to those women are are the are the arguments we're using helping or hurting men and men i think you need to chill the f, f out like Men are so quick to share that meme or share that cliched argument or bash the women's march. And so everybody's just sitting there going, okay, well, now I feel attacked because you're against the women's march. Well, I feel attacked because you're making me the, the, the object of your misery. When in reality, nobody's doing any of that. It's just the arguments are being completely conflated. Like, mm-hmm. We're just losing sight of what a rational argument about gender roles is because we're so we're drugged to one side or the other, feeling we have to defend our boys or defend our side, uh, uh, and it's just we're losing touch of each other's humanity and what actually will work best for society and each other. Yeah, well, a lot of it because like is the uh, sense of being attacked and always being attacked. Right. You've got to understand, like, when you go out and you try to talk about young men and their video games like that, the feminist narrative has came out and tried to attack uh, male gamers for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's, you know, so those wounds that you just, like, try to just to point at, like, they're hurt. And that's why, like, the, if you notice when you pull something like that, hey, people come out with teeth because, you know, they've been attacked in that spot for so many times. Right. And they're ready to, you know, they're ready to throw down. But the... I think the main reason, like, you see a lot of men, like, you know, make fun of the march because, one, you know, they see, um, they've got, they have a, th- a lot of them have a thousand yard view of it mm-hmm. versus someone out there. And they're like, now you went there with a, such an open mind from everything and you saw that. Right. You saw a lot of the crap, the rhetoric from it. But did any, but the people you're around, did they see any of that? Oh, I think that if I had gotten on stage, I said, Michelle, what do you think would happen if I got on stage to speak? And she just laughed because she knew there yeah. wasn't there wasn't any intellectual diversity on that stage. No. They were, you know, the, like they the the speaker right before the keynote, the the audience was almost gone because it was starting to rain and it was cold, and mm-hmm. 
and she goes, you know, I'm sorry this program's been long, but this is what you have when you have inclusive diversity. You everybody gets a chance to speak, and you know that just makes it very long. <laughs> like, okay, uh, I, and I'm I'm okay with that. But uh, on the program, I did not see a conservative woman. Nope. I didn't see a libertarian woman. I didn't see anybody from the March for Life. Yep. I'm sure. You know, you you didn't see any coverage of the March for Life, and there were probably twice the amount for March for Life than there were for the women's march in the same spot the next day. But th- but they're not going to cover that. Yep. And, and it goes back to kind of what we talked with Glenn Beck. It's, it's the people in the media are left-leaning, mm-hmm. and they are they do have left sensibilities. Mm-hmm. And it, it it's the same rejection of it that we're, we're repulsed by it if you're not a leftist. Right. And you're watching this going, how do you not see your own bias? How are you pretending that you have no bias and you still have a bias? And it's easier. There's, right. It's easier. It's mentally easier, and you're not going to be shamed and an outcast mm-hmm. uh, from your group. Um, and I, I think there's, there's a real problem that when change is made too quickly, mm-hmm. uh, and you saw this with the civil rights, you had the civil rights movement make a change within a decade, and then you yeah. had it, a real hard knee-jerk back to the right and racial tensions got worse in the 70s Mm -hmm. uh you could argue that racial tensions are worse now because we moved forward with a black president and then certain elements in our country are going uh too much nope right back to trump and so when you when you see a lot of progress like you're seeing with the opening up of gender roles the acceptance of norms aren't forced norms aren't healthy you run the risk, uh, the women's rights activists run the risk of pushing men too far too quickly, or society in general, because there are a lot of women who think the way that Donald Trump thinks. Mm-hmm. You know, you run the risk of pushing the more conservative elements of our country, conservative meaning I want to preserve these institutions and these norms. Right. You run the risk of those people pushing back really hard in a way that none of us are going to like. Mm-hmm. And so... And and there, that's why I look at this and I go, like, can we have a fucking attaboy at some point? Like, no, no. you know, we there's still more work to. Do. It's like I'm I'm tired. Like I I mean, yeah, like I'm tired. Well, you saw what happened when the uh, G and the uh, GLBT um, community when the gays stopped. Like, okay, we've got it. Uh, they've got you know they've when the gay when the gay community finally got gay marriage right mm-hmm. you watch the leftist media just attack them okay you got you got your thing you're not done you still have to fight for all this other stuff now it's all about the women's thing it would be, so it's like and they kept writing articles about how gay men are the most misogynist of all men right you know it's like come on you know right. they were like, brothers in arms a year you know a few months before but now it's nope nope they they're tr- they had their attaboy they're trying to be on their laurels and nope right. nope they can mainsplain too and they can they can they're misogynist too look what they're doing and you you get uh it, it, like to lgbt lgbt specifically this is the greatest time to be a gay person in america mm-hmm. you know and this generation opened up marriage and uh, equality and and then now you're suing religious people because they won't serve you a cake right. and it's their decision and so you you just that's the one step too far like you, there's you know you can't just say all right that's good we've we've got this let's rest on this victory for a second mm-hmm. and maybe wait a generation and and that's of course i'm making the argument that people used against martin luther king all the time 
and he said there's not a time you can't wait for injustice to be you know rectified mm-hmm. um i'm not advocating for that i'm saying that if you are a progressive person you are fighting a conservative person that conservative person they will eventually get enough people on their side going too far too fast mm-hmm. and you have a violent at re- reaction backwards and the reaction i think with with like the women stuff the me too stuff is uh, we talked about it last week you're going to get less women having more uh, women are going to have less opportunities because men are more afraid of them mm-hmm. because you have more power than we do now so uh, you know the female coworkers of my job can get me fired with uh, a lie if they wanted to yeah. i don't have that power yeah yeah. You know, and so there's, and a show, there's been guys that have been kicked out of colleges, you know, for a life been expelled from colleges. They've worked hard to get to, you know, and they've lost years of their life of when they're supposed to be in college and they get kicked out mm-hmm. on a lie on a lie. You know, some have been saved. Thanks uh, just for the ability to save text messages, which is apparently very hard. Um, like um, Mattress Girl. The only reason that guy didn't, um, you know, end up in jail. Text messages. You know, a lot of times it was all, you know just saving texas yep but uh yeah it's and it's and it, that type of like and that's another reason why there's tons of different guys that are like well, what's the point why even play that game why mm-hmm. even get there you know if i could get five guys living in like a two-bedroom apartment on bunk beds and we hot swap them all the time and play video games and we all make 10 bucks an hour why go anymore mm-hmm. i got what i wanted i got my car i got my video game system i'm hanging out with my bros we got beers on friday right no what what castle? Why why save the uh, 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 the princess and go fight the dragon at the castle when you know the princess is going to yell at me and the and she'll team up with the dragon and kick my ass? Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what was the? I saw some speaking of the dragon. Uh, come up with some brilliance while I look for this thing. Oh, the because <laughs> <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is the exact thing that I'm talking about that I want to play. All right, so um, coming up with brilliance. I don't even know what the heck that means. But like I, I, but I can also see like the like the standpoint with like Chris is saying though. But the at at the same time as a young male. There's not many different programs out for um, for you. Um, there's there's all these push for like trying to teach women how to get into computers or uh, now lucky like most most of the like uh, the tech spaces there are like some small women's groups on it. But most of them you know like they bring guys in to either help teach or bring stuff or, or showcase. But they do try to make it like a women's space just to make it more comfortable to the like new women into the space. Right. And they use it for networking. But majority of those women leave those spaces and they go to what is quote unquote predominantly male spaces and tech spaces mm-hmm. like you know the, when they have like that female only like tech space it's there to bring new women in or and for networking and but you'll see them in every Poor other Reynolds. male male networking space the, um it's the same way with uh, uh i wish it was also some way for things that are more um female dominated like w- I like every time I try to get like a younger man into sewing, it's very, very hard and it's very intimidating for them. Right. Because like you go to Joanne's Fabrics and there's these older women and I get it too. That's why I don't like going to I, I go to a certain Joanne's because, you know, the, the 
women there are a little bit more hood, so they're <laughs> a little nicer to me walking in through there because right. I'm there to spend money and I steal things. But uh, you could go into like a like a fabric store and they as a man and they will look at you like like I remember I went there with Lacey one time to get fabrics to make a coat and they were rather wanting and they kept sat there and they wanted to deal with Lacey. They wanted to deal with her. They thought she was there and they did not want to deal with me. But it uh, but. That's, but it's also like that in like these weird different spaces like that, like um, some of like the women car groups. A lot of them are set up just to get women into cars, be a nice easy spot for it. But then you see a lot of these women just use that to like for introduction, and then they move them out to other space. Right. You know, go out do your own thing. Go off and do your own thing. Uh, like um, I think another one is that is Boogie. Um, not Boogie Two Nine Eight, but Boogie's at Boogie Boogie's garage. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Everyone here knows who Boogie's Two Nine Eight is. Okay, you you almost look like Boogie Two Nine Eight. Thank you. You're welcome. He's uh, you, of course you know you know, but you know he's trying to catch up to your weight though. You son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, so I don't know why this annoyed me, but it did. Um, what is and, this? And uh, like, there's things that that like. Sometimes when things are, and I'm trying to figure out my own behavior with with like this commentary, uh, because I'm scared. Uh, I, I have these fundamental beliefs that women are equal and that women do belong in the workplace and that women should not be forced to certain gender roles and you know I, I you should want to make me a sandwich but I'm not going to make you, <laughs> you know like. I'll make you a sandwich. Why wouldn't you want to make me one? Uh, I make terrible sandwiches. Lacey makes a lot better sandwich. That's but like why. when stuff like this comes out, I just like I roll my eyes so hard, and I just go, uh, "Why? Why am I? Why am I mad about this?" It's speak like a girl. They're a slam poetry group. Uh, Megan Folly and Olivia Gatwood. Princess Peach speaks. So this is Princess Peach for the Mario Brothers. This is how this is her end of the story because Mario Brothers is sexist and it's told from Mario's point of view and we need we need the Princess Peach point of view and these two young ladies are here to tell us. Princess Peach speaks. Thanks Mario, I guess, for fighting all those Koopa Troopas and riding on the backs of dolphins and traveling all the way to Star World. To save me. You keep saying it was a lot of hard work. How you almost lost all of your 99 lives. How I should be grateful. But from my corner of the castle, it looked a lot like adventure. Mm. But, but what do I know? I'm just a kitten caught up in a tree. I get to sit in this 8-bit castle. Guarded by that fire-breathing turtle fuck. And I'm here for however long it takes your slow shit ass to get past that fucking flying level. And now, of course, what I want to do is get married and turn into another imprisonment called matrimony with you. You, whose brother was the exact... Matrimony of prison, okay? That same outfit as you except in a different color. Like twin little fucking infants. He's always whispering into my hair. Damn, Peach, if only I'd got to you first. <laughs> but your princess, princess is in another castle. Filing her taxes. Because she's a princess. And a hell of a lot more money than you. Mario, when she needs her toilet unclogged. She'll call you. Mario, but your princess is in another castle. I don't know, preparing to inherit rule of an entire country? Princess, princess Peach got work to do. Princess already brushed her hair today. Now Princess gotta make some phone calls. Send some emails. Get, get her, her ball gown fitted just right. right. 
Oh! You thought Princess was trapped by Bowser? Maybe Princess hired Bowser as a bouncer. Because she didn't have time to reject you at the door. What makes you think every time Princess doesn't answer, it means she needs your help? Can a woman get some alone time around here to deal with her shit? What shit, you ask? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. know. Body, body image, rape culture, motherhood, gender roles, the fact that no one will let her wear anything but a pink dress. You ride a dinosaur who comes in more colors than I do. I don't ever get to ride a dinosaur. You fought off a baseball-throwing football player, and, and now you're entitled to Peach's Peach? I should have stayed with Bowser, because at least he called himself Monster. At least he knew what he was. Not some one-dimensional super nerd who, who thinks, thinks human decency is foreplay, who thinks the savior complex gets me wet. Harry. You're a plumber. So I Harry, thought you'd no, be no. able to smell your own bullshit. Don't hang yourself. You're the date who buys a nice dinner then calls me a bitch when I don't let body. you upstairs. You're the guy the on the street who tells me to smile before cutting it into me. You're all the states in America where it is legal to rape your wife. So fuck you, Mario. Here's a level. You can beat it. Get a life. Uh, It's just, it's like, uh, okay, some 23-year-old theater nerds are are basically mansplaining to us society. That's like, you know, I I just don't, I don't live in the reality that you live in. It's, it's, ugh. Uh, 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 it's like man, apparently Mario says like, screw this I'm gonna go play tennis alright <laughs> honestly like that's why Mario got his super world he was mm-hmm. like I'm out of here I'm out I'm out <laughs> I've made so many coins I'm out I'm gonna go do this <laughs> poor Harry he tried to hang himself during the middle of that I know I, I said I, you know I set Chris Bengal up to be you know try to do like the uh, Jake Paul this and dab next to my dead body you know <laughs> use it for the thumbnail <laughs> I know it's like it, it was awful like because it's like uh, I'm going to read into this story and put all this oppression into this and it's like all right it's eight bits so we can only put so many stuff in here and it's a small different story you know pick up a book you hardly ever see any some of the stuff like that but it's just right oh, I just, it just I can get it for a point but the simple fact that people use stuff like that to try to beat me over the head with a cudgel about gender roles and other things like that that's the problem I have with it if it stays through it does and it's a nice little small uh, theater piece to like uh, almost as like satire just trying to be ironic from that that's funny that's cool that's unique. Uh, there were a couple la- I laughed I mean you heard me laugh right, a yeah, couple times yeah. it's yeah. more of the people who go like see this is what we're talking about this is right. what we need to do and change about video games that's the that's when I have the problem with it yeah no I mean to me when I hear that I hear the same thing as a guy saying, uh, like, genuinely believing that women only belong in the kitchen or only to be stay-at-home moms. Uh, you know, you're the same equivalent as women who say you're wrong for being a stay-at-home mom. Right, Like, yeah. like that's a moral equivalency. And so I think all the rest of us are just kind of stuck in the middle going, I don't know. I mean, things are kind of good for everybody. Like, there isn't a voice out there, I think, going, everything's really just fine. Like, thing, every, everybody's making everything this massive issue and everything's on fire because they're trying to politically manipulate everybody to yeah. their side mm-hmm. when in reality, and they can do it in the age of echo chambers when mm-hmm. in reality, everything's actually pretty good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, like culturally and societally, yeah, there are sometimes like when I'm at home, right. And, uh, and I feel bad and I start like, and I have to call like, other people up because the hardest thing about my day, the two hardest things, right, is one, listen to the baby cry before I get coffee. That freaking sucks. Uh-huh. Okay, that's like the hard, that's one of the top one hardest thing I do all day. Right. And the second hardest thing that I do all day is feeling um, that I didn't do enough and feeling like crap. Right. You know, and you know, and it's and I um and 
and it's kind of neat dealing with all the mothers because they're a little bit more open about their feelings, which kind of lets me be and tell and basically tell them how I'm feeling. And letting that out, they let me know, like, oh, that's freaking normal. Right. That's yeah. normal. That, that's the best thing about community yeah. is people getting together who have a certain same is- issue, a certain same identity, mm-hmm. be it race, culture, uh, color, uh, religion, disease, whatever. You get together with people who have similar experiences as you and go, what you're feeling is normal. Yep. You're not weird. Mm-hmm. And then they feel a sense of belonging and they go, oh, great. When I was going through my divorce, I went through something called divorce care. And I think that if you're going through a divorce, with if you're within a year of your divorce or if you're contemplating divorce or if you're separated, divorce care, it's all one word, is a great resource for people who are going through divorce. And it's like a 10-week study. It's it's attached to a lot of Christian churches, but I can tell you it's not really churchy. It's, it's really more of a support group, and it's one of the best support groups I've ever been in, like 12-step support groups. Uh, I've gone to Al-Anon. Uh, and in codependence anonymous they're depressing as hell but like divorce care was great and i got a lot out of it because everybody else was going through what i was going through the sense of relief the guilt over feeling relieved that i was divorced mm-hmm. I, I i thought that was bad that was a bad thing like divorce is bad you should feel bad about it yeah but the relief is something that everybody kind of feels Oh, wow. Because you're not living with somebody who hates your guts. You know, you're relieved to kind of have that pressure off of you a little bit. The the idea of I just could break down crying at any moment. Like even like we expect like women are allowed to do that. But men, we don't think that we can do that. Yeah. I've wept in so many Walmart parking lots over the last not the last year, but the two years after my divorce, mm-hmm. because it's just a lot of it's a lot. It's a lot of uh, of bad shit. Yes. And when you can go and be with other people going through a similar experience, you know, like white people don't know what it's like to be a black person. And so there should be black groups there. You know, there should be uh, Latino groups. There should be Christian groups. There should be Muslim groups like people who have certain beliefs or identities should be allowed and encouraged to connect with people who have those same identities because that allows them to share that common human experience it makes them better people. It makes them less depressed, and that makes society better. So if I went out and started a, my own libertarian group, nothing but black libertarians, call it the Black Quill. You mm-hmm. know, fill it up with nothing. That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, I'll call there. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> call the other one. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. He'd hate the branding of it. <laughs> um. So yes, Sorry, but, well, let's start wrapping up. So what we're going to do is oh uh, snaps, it's nine thirty. Yeah, it's almost nine thirty, but we still are going to talk the shutdown, the FBI text. But we're going to do that on the uh, bonus feed. So if you want to hear our opinion and my uh, thoughts on the shutdown, yeah, and uh, some details of what's going on with the FBI investigations, then you're going to have to tune in on uh, on the Patreon channel. So here's how it works. You go to patreon.com slash wearelibertarians, or you can get the link at wearelibertarians.com, our website. Uh, Just Google that, and you'll find it. And uh, essentially, you're going to sign up. You put in a profile, and uh, you pledge to give us $5 or more at the beginning of next month. Mm -hmm. So on the 1st, it pulls on the 1st. And that day, you don't even have to give to today to get the feed. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's a it's a private link that is uh, active when you are active, 
and you get to put that in your podcatcher, your iTunes, however however you listen to the podcast, uh, and you you put that into your RSS feed, and then you can listen. Yep. And it's super easy. It's just like it's no no problem at all. And what that does is that affords us the resources to continue to do this, to continue to uh, grow the show, and. You know, if you get something out of this, then give something for it because there's no such thing as a free lunch. Uh, it's costing somebody somewhere something to do this. Why not you? So even a dollar a month helps uh, if you would if you would be so gracious. And we're going to give you great content. Like we're going to give you probably another thirty to sixty minutes on the government shutdown, and you're going to get two hours of Harry's low key wall, which he does on Wednesday nights on the Twitch channel, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, anytime I do interviews, I pull that, I put that up there. I'll put that the Juice Kelly, the Juice in the AM interview that I did. I'll put that up in the Patreon tomorrow. So yeah, you get you get something for giving us something, and it's uh, basically an extra two to three hours a week of the show. So love for you to join that and support our efforts. So with that, we're gonna wrap up and we're going to uh, give our final thoughts in this episode. Harry, your final thoughts. Uh, let's see. Only final thoughts I've got for is, uh, one, please, if you do like us, uh, also come over to the Twitch. Give We Are Libertarians a follow because um, we're getting really close to that Magic 50 numbers to become affiliate. So please come over there and help us out. Come hang out. Um, especially Low Key Wall is really cool when we watch that. Li- when we do that live, I like to interact with the chat and everything for that one and have people from the Discord get on, be able to get on and speak through it. Right. Um, for this episode, uh, I think it goes back to what I like about it is that Chris went down to the women's march and he went there basically with the 10, 10 tenets of we are libertarians and looked at, through everything through that lens there and reported back where they has because he saw the pros, the cons and everything and be able to see where he agreed with people and where he disagreed with people and didn't treat them as others or monsters. So that's all I have. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. Like you, you, if you go to something where you feel like you're not going to be accepted and you're scared, you shouldn't be. People are going to actually be very friendly. Nobody, nobody interacted with me unless I interacted with them. You know, they're there with their friends. They're having a good time. They're listening. You know, so you're not gonna go to something like that, and they're gonna consider you a spy. You got caught. That's just not how it's gonna work. Uh, so you should make the effort to go out there into the world and and to people that you don't necessarily agree with. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to load the uh, rewards here because I want to thank our Patreon subscribers. Going to give you enough time to load that up. Um, yes. So. so Brandon, Luke, Craig DaCosta, Jason Doolittle, and Christy Avery. Thank you so much. You are our $100 a month subscribers. You guys are awesome. Uh, you uh, help me out so much in so many different ways. Our $25 reward subscribers, Stone Aldridge, Brantley Spicer, Rick Irvine, Nick Economopoulos, Chad Oakage, Joey Tarner, Carly Ernst, Brandon Kester, Heidi Aldridge, Kristen Emmons, Dan Dunbar, Doug Stream, Christopher Brokoff, and uh, uh, Todd Singer. Thank you so much. $10 rewards, Joshua Sexton, Ray Wolf, Jordan Laycock, Lauren Moss, Mark English, Derek Lynn, John Brett, Logan Knoll, Chris Murray, Reinhold, our good friend Reinhold from the Discord, Joshua Laughlin, Samuel Alexander, Jeremy Franklin, Brian Kloss, Joe Benavidez, sorry Joe, uh, Eric Anderson, Sarah Potter, Eric Bartline, David Stovall, Jess Nixon, Justin Mitchell, Derek Mishu, Mike Trant, Zach Felker, James Darling, Eric Neff, Brian Traver- Travis, 
Sorry, Brian. Chris Lane, Ryan Clancy, Ken Walker, Rebecca Cash, and David Anderson. You guys are awesome. And uh, obviously, every time we read off our $10 group, that gets larger. We live stream the video of the show. Go check out. We have different reward tiers, so check that out too. So uh, I, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for uh, supporting us, for joining our community, for uh, being engaged. The, the best part about We Are Libertarians, uh, two great things. For me, it is the study of this. Like I spend a lot of hours prepping for this, and I get to learn by teaching. Uh, that's uh, personally rewarding, but uh, I think more rewarding is watching you guys bond with each other, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and things like the Discord and the Facebook group where people talk to each other and, and, and make friendships from the Facebook group and the Discord and uh, and coming together around this uh, common element, which is this podcast, is so cool. And so if you're looking for friends and you're a libertarian, you definitely are looking for friends, then please go to wearelibertarians.com and join the community. We'd love for you to get involved. Uh, we'd love for you to connect with us on all our different platforms that you'll find there. So thank you. And until next time, uh, we will, uh, we're going to be back Thursday. We're going to be here with Chris Galt. Creighton Harrington, they're coming back uh, for one final episode before uh, Creighton goes out to New York City. And we're going to watch the Jordan Peterson Channel 4 interview together and break it down and uh, comment on all the different points that are made in that. Because I think it's um, I think it's a real uh, flashpoint for society, and I've seen a lot of people discussing it, and I want uh, to weigh in on it. And the best way to do it is just kind of do it point by point as we go through the the entire interview. So um, if you haven't seen it, watch it in anticipation of Thursday. So until then, uh, I say thank you for listening, and we will see you on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at wearelibertarians.com.